The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, as I mentioned in uh, communion time, uh, new year, new decade. And I have been thinking about this last decade over the last couple weeks. Do you remember where you were at in 2010? Do you remember what you looked like in 2010? I was going back through pictures. I grabbed one of us. Do we look different? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's Sage. Um, this was May 8, 2010. There's Keegan. Man, 10 years have changed a lot of things. I know in your life it's the same, right? Some of you weren't married 10 years ago. Some of you hadn't graduated high school 10 years ago. Some of you weren't grandparents yet 10 years ago, right? Um, it's kind of fun to think back through where you were at and where you're at now. For some of you, it might be a decade full of great memories, right? And uh, a lot of highlights maybe for you. For some of you today, I recognize that to look back over 10 years is to sense lowlights, disappointments, some tragedies. Um, maybe there are some loved ones that 10 years ago you enjoyed time with and they're not here with you now. I recognize that Life and the seasons of life and the decades of life hold different things uh, for all of us. Um, and we all walk through them, right? And yet I know that probably as soon as I start to talk about the last decade, uh, just innately as human, in our human nature, uh, maybe you're already thinking about, well, I wonder what these next 10 years hold. What is this? What is 2030 going to look like for me over these next 10 years? It's innate within us to always be looking forward, to want to be moving forward, to be uh, sometimes preoccupied with um, either the past or the future. Is it not? It's just easy for us to, to be preoccupied with either one of those things. And yet, I want to start this new year, these next four Sundays, uh, thinking about the fact that often, although we want to move forward, and we're wired to move forward, often we are unable to move forward. We are hindered. So often, our lives, uh, we look at our lives and we say, you know what? I want to be this person. I want to accomplish that. I want to do this. I want to see this happen. And yet, it hasn't happened yet. Right? 
If you're like me, there's different areas of your life. You're like, that's what I want. I just can't get there. I'm hindered. I'm unable to move forward. I think that's probably very common to all of us. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a fracture? Have you ever fractured a bone? Broke a bone? Um, yeah, Lois isn't in here right now. so Most of you know that story. But, you know, yeah, I've fractured my wrist. Um, but you know what it's like to, to break a bone, right? To fracture a bone. Right? Uh, you know, we know what that's like. And how it hinders our ability to experience life like it was intended. Does it not? Uh, I, just yesterday I was, doing, I was experiencing some of this. Uh, Sage had a swim meet um, in Fremont. And um, I am dealing with a headache. And I really am wanting to enjoy this swim meet, right? And yet, I'm hassled the whole time. I'm hindered the whole time. I, I really, I went and I came home and it really wasn't great for me, right? Because it was hindered by just, just a, a, a headache, right? Um, think about like how often... Um, when we are not healthy, how it affects our quality of life. Uh, we, we see this with athletes, right? Someone who has the ability, who has maybe performed in the past, who is hampered. I like these words, hindered, hampered. Those, these are things I want you to think about today. By an injury, and, and you can just see it in their performance. They're not quite able to live at that level that, they are, uh, that they're capable of. For us, um, when we are unhealthy, uh, it, we don't experience life at full capacity. We can't enjoy life as we could. I would say this every Sunday. It's hard to live life fully when you are not healthy. Right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you deal with health issues day in and day out. And you remember what it was like when you were healthy. And now you know what it is to experience life when you're not healthy. And I can't think of a better way to approach a new decade than this familiar passage of Scripture. That probably, no doubt, most of you could stand up right now and say six verses without even thinking about. But I think it has so much to do with what we need to know about going forward. Because often, we struggle to really go forward. We make these resolutions. We make these commitments to ourselves. And it's a big joke in our whole society and in our lives. Broken promises, broken resolutions, right? So often we have good intentions, high expectations, and reality is we break those things. And it really is, though, hard to move forward when often we're hindered and hampered. It's hard to live life fully when you are not healthy. 
And you see, in this psalm, obviously David writes this psalm. And he writes this psalm as a framework for us to experience the health in our soul that provides a context for us to then live life fully as God has intended. A, a parallel passage that we will be referencing throughout this four weeks is John chapter 10. Psalm 23 is a picture of the Lord as a shepherd, how he provides soul care for us. And yet Jesus embodies this and brings it into a whole new kind of light when as he comes to this earth and lives and proclaims that he is the good shepherd. And then he fleshes out what that means and how we can understand that in the context of who he is. And Psalm 23 is all about you and I experiencing soul care that provides the context of a healthy spiritual life that enables us then to move forward, to go forward. I imagine that probably a lot of the times the reasons why we can't move forward is we're just not healthy enough to get there. And the psalmist does a wonderful job of explaining to us how our souls can be healthy. You, you, you know these words, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Again, he begins to uh, make this metaphor of sheep. I don't want to wear that out because we've heard it over and over, except to simply say that, that sheep are simple. They're dependent. They're vulnerable. They're fearful. They're defenseless. And yes, they're stubborn. And he gives this metaphor as a shepherd has to care for sheep that are all of these things. And it is a wide task. And it is, uh, but it is a task where you provide care for these sheep. They need you. He uses this metaphor as God's people are like those sheep. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. But out of that, he begins to explain what this means for God's people as him, as our shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. And just as a good shepherd provides for a sheep in the sense of, of, of food and comfort and rest and health and healing and so many things. And we've talked about that from, from this place in other series. So too, the shepherd of our soul, the Lord who is our shepherd, 
cares for us in such a way that he promises to provide everything that we need. In that context, a sheep who had a good shepherd went without lacking anything. Anything. And so too the promise to us in this psalm is God is a God who provides for us in a way that we are lacking nothing. He continues to explain this out when he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It's this idea of providing for our needs and bringing food and drink and peace into our life, into our soul. And then he would say this as he kind of wraps that part up. He says, he restores my soul. And this little phrase has been what has been captivating me for the last couple of months. What does it mean that God restores my soul? And in that, I begin to realize that this is God's plan for his children. For him to be the consistent, constant restorer of my soul. Why so often can I not move forward? Why can I not get victory? Why can I not live at another, uh, I hate to use these words, but level? How can I not seem to get over this hang up, this hurt, this, um, this habit? And so often it is because we're trying to move forward and yet all the while our soul is fractured by different things and we need to be healed. We need to be healthy before we can move forward. Just as all of us to accomplish what we should accomplish, to experience life how we were meant to experience, there's a measure of health that is necessary. And the psalmist just sits right down on this idea of a God who provides, who oversees, who is bringing all that we need into our life, and he's bringing a measure of peace and and all these things that he promises in the New Testament through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's kind of in a picture here of, of, of green pastures and quiet waters. And he culminates, so I say, but he's the one who restores your soul. This word restores, it's, it's a word, uh, other translations will say refreshes. Um, uh, it causes life to return. It reanimates my soul. He reanimates my soul. Um, it's, it's an, it emphasizes an intensive action in this word. It's, and this verb is also in an imperfect tense, which indicates an ongoing, continuous action. You and I are needing to live in a place where the Lord is always restoring my soul. He's breathing life into me. He's refreshing me. He's reanimating my life consistently. That is healing the fractures that come from just living life 
and the circumstances and, and the, the world itself so often splinters our soul. It fractures our soul. It wounds our soul. And yet he is the one who is consistently healing that, breathing life into us, get, making us to live in a way that our soul is healthy. He's restoring my soul. The root form of this is to, uh, to refresh, to bring back. God is the one who, for his children, is intensively restoring, refreshing us, taking us back to a place of spiritual life and health in which our soul, our deepest, innermost spiritual, mental, emotional being is replenished with his eternal and life-giving presence and truth. This is the idea of someone who's exhausted, who's weary, who's sad. And God is coming to quicken that spirit, to strengthen that weariness. Um, he brings back vigor. He encourages. He excites it to new effort. He fills it with joy. God's plan is to consistently bring healing so that we live healthy. Life fractures. And so often our soul is fractured in a way that it hinders and hampers us from experiencing, again, John chapter 10, abundant life that Jesus has provided. So often, we have learned to live with these fractures. And yet, this word restores, amplifies the plan of God to keep us healthy so that we can live the abundant life God has promised. And so I want to look at some of those things that, that fracture our soul these next four weeks. Maybe just a very rubber meets the road. Today's more brief because I'm setting context. But I really feel like the next three weeks we're going to talk about things that um, I have no doubt that you are living with. That we often bump into. Some of us get caught in. Some of us have learned to live with for years. And it's a fracture on our soul. And it, God is so desperately wanting to heal us of these things so that we're healthy. And in health, we move forward. We experience what God has promised. The, the one I want to look at today or think about today is the fracture of, of disappointment. Disappointment. Uh, it's John Cheever, the Pulitzer Award winner, who wrote a lot about American living and American life, and it really is, a, is an informed perspective, which said this, the main emotion the average American feels is disappointment, is disappointment. Disappointment is an emotional wedge that Satan will use to put lies in your heart, and it starts a progression. If it's left unchecked, it, it leads to discouragement, leads to disillusionment, leads to depression, which can lead to total defeat. 
feet is this idea of when you're absolutely surrendered to the lie that God does not want your good. Disappointment needs to be seen as that tip of the spear, uh, this emotional wedge that begins to open up your soul and make you susceptible to the lies of the enemy. And yet, as I think about disappointment and how often it has fractured our very soul, I, I realized as I thought about this more that really, and this phrase to me is a key thing this whole day, Failed expectation lies at the heart of every disappointment. You see, really, at the heart of the fracture of disappointment on our soul is failed expectations. Failed expectations are central to why often we struggle with God's power and God's plan for our lives. And I have spent time this week, it's been fascinating for me, to, to listen to leading researchers in our culture talk about the epidemic of what they call expectation frustration that exists in our world today. And as I thought about this, and as I listened to them, I realized that that is exactly where we are at. All the data says it is, and guess what? I know that I'm talking to people that you're bumping into this every day. It's an expectation frustration it, 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 they call it an ex expectation gap the gap between reality and expectation and it creates this frustration i listened as as one particular uh uh expert i mean i'm telling you the data he's done it's crazy he he says this we are wealthier than ever we're more prosperous and yet we are less satisfied, more unhappy, and more depressed than we've ever been. We have faster transportation, and yet we complain faster than ever before. We have more goods and services, more technology, and yet as a world, as a culture, especially in America, there is no corresponding in life satisfaction. And this is not me just throwing stuff out there to see if it sticks. All right, this is not me doing some little sample survey of five people. This is the data today. This is what they're working with now. This is what real people in real time are experiencing right now. I mean, it, it's amazing from all different perspectives. There are more suicides in a lot of countries than homicides today. his contention and the contention of so many is we are so unhappy because our expectations of reality are not exceeding our experiences of reality i think for me it's all summed up in this whole illustration of and you've seen this and it's amazing how that when they've talked to these people and they've done this um have you ever watched the olympics um, I, I, I was going to grab a bunch of pictures, but I didn't. Just on the podium, look at the silver medalist so often. And look at the bronze medalist. Overwhelmingly, and they've talked to these over the years, the bronze medalist is far more happy with the outcome than the silver medalist. 
finish behind the silver medalist. And yet is far more happy that they just got on the podium. Didn't perform as well. Really should not be more proud of their effort, of their achievement than the silver medalist. And yet, overwhelmingly, all the time, it's amazing. You see the pictures of the silver medalist. No silver medalist ever looks happy. It's amazing. And yet, the bronze medalist is sitting there like this. Right? What's what? Expectations play such a big role in that. And what I want to just share with you for just a moment is the sources of our expectation. They come from imagination, they come from others, they come from past experiences. They come inward, they come outward, and they come from our environment. Hold with me for just a minute. I'm getting somewhere with this, all right? Because I believe there's something here. Imagination. What has happened to us is, uh, one of the things is, we have become so, uh, uh, we have so many options. And what has happened is, Because we have so many options, we choose to think that when we pick one of those options, we build it up in such a way that it becomes past what reality could be. You know, I've got these four vehicles I can choose from now, right? It's it's not like it must have been in the 1911s when you just were getting a Model T. Model T, that's it. Now it's 15 different options, or way more than that, honestly. And we, because we have choice, and we place our choice on this one, our expectation skyrockets on what it's going to do and what it's going to be. The very act of so many choices has created way, uh, has created sky-high expectations And actually ends up coming in and undermining our happiness. It's highly likely that our choice is not going to live up to our expectations. We live in a Photoshop, airbrush, digitally enhanced society. And really, what has happened with advertising and social media has created the fact that these photoshopped, Digitally enhanced, airbrushed things are normal. Right? They are creating this as normal. And it simply can't live up to normal. It skews our vision. It distorts reality. The best images out there of vacation spots and, and, and people and enhancements and all this stuff they simply these best images they become normal they become what's supposed to be average and then we live with reality and what happens is our imagination has gravitated toward this unrealistic expectation level because that's what our culture and our society is absolutely feeding us over and over and over and you and I 
are living in a, in a culture where our expectations are higher than they've ever been. And if you would choose not to be super pious with me today, I absolutely have no doubt that if you begin to look in your own life, you wrestle with expectation frustration. Others, obviously, it's amazing how they talk about how people who make $50,000, if they live in a wealthier neighborhood, they live with a, a different perspective. The same people who, have 50, who make $50,000 live in a poor neighborhood have a different perspective. They're making the same money. It's the context of people around them, the pressures of expectations around them, the society and culture put on you. We all live dealing with others' expectations, do we not? I, I see this in marriage. <laughs> Experience this in marriage, right? You're honest, all of us do. It's one of the things that you, you know as a premarital counselor you need to talk about. One of the huge or one of the things that can become a major issue in a marriage is expectations that one places on the other and vice versa. Expectations from others absolutely create a, a level of disappointment that we can experience that fractures our very soul, who we are. Are we good enough? Have we accomplished enough? Have we lived up to X, X's expectation? Whether it be a parent, whether it be coworkers, whether it be peer groups, man, we wrestle with this every day. And I'm telling you, it's, it's disappointing. It becomes disappointment. It begins to fracture our very soul because it strikes at the heart of who we see, who we are. How we value ourselves, our worth, right? Expectation. Past experiences simply is, you know, uh, so often if you've had good past experiences, you begin to compare everything to those past experiences. And if you, everything, it, it, you expect it to, if you've had bad past experiences so often, you expect things to be drastically different. You deserve something different past so often past experiences uh, one thing i noticed i thought was interesting in this um is one thing that we are we are struggling with right now as a culture and they're starting to become aware of it is we are creating unrealistic expectations for our children we are trying to give them everything and we are setting them on a path that it can't ever get any better for them they're just going to plot we're giving them everything now there's nothing for them to, and so they, they're dealing with so much disappointment. Look at, look at the data from the parenting cycles of the last 10, 15 years and the health of our children. They're more depressed. They're more restless because we've bought into this. I'm going to give them everything, everything at their very, and what we're doing is we're creating an unrealistic expectation for life. Amen? 
We buy everything for them now. Guess what? They're not going to be able to buy everything when they get out on their own at first, right? Just can't do it. I didn't. You didn't, right? And they get frustrated with that because they got, okay, I'm not going to sit there. 10.03, you're happy I'm not going to sit there. It's amazing. I've just been amazed listening to secular researchers talk about stuff. I'm just like, oh yeah, you ought to open the Bible. You ought to think about God's word. Yeah, that's exactly, you're seeing exactly what those scriptures have always said, right? Disappointment that comes out of living under expectation fractures the soul so often. And I don't doubt this morning I'm talking to people that it's hard for you to move forward. It's hard for you to experience the full life God has promised and the abundant life he wants for you. Because in your soul, you're fractured by disappointment. The expectations you've placed on yourself or you thought you were going to experience or culture's telling you you're supposed to experience. The expectations of others. Expectations come formed from your past experiences. And you just live with disappointment. And you can't quite get healthy enough to really move forward. It's like that athlete who's got a hamstring pull. Who they can do a little bit, but they're not full speed. Right? Disappointment born out of expectation is one of the major reasons. And why I love this psalm is... What does he say? He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This word is, this word paths is an entrenchment caused by wagon wheels, wagon tracks. He leads me in these paths, these well entrenched paths. They're not, they're not easy to get out of. It's easy to stay in this groove. And what I want you to understand is in restoring our soul, one of those things is he places his leadership over our life. And when I can begin to get to a place where I am simply led by him, for his name's sake, right? We're his children. His reputation is on the line with his children. You better believe that he is working for his glory and for our good. Because that's who he is. For his name's sake, he's leading me. And it reminded me of ex- exactly what John chapter 10 uh, is, is, is going to echo. Um, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How do I win in so often this battle of disappointment that comes from expectations from all over? I simply live with the absolute priority of my life of just being led by him, of knowing his voice, of following his voice, of allowing his voice to be the thing that I hear above everything else. All of it becomes noise except for his voice. His voice, his expectation for my life 
chases away the expectation that this world is trying to place upon him in so many ways. It's amazing with his voice, his leadership, being his sheep, and following in his expectation is you have a patient, loving, kind father who leads you and it doesn't drive you, who brings you along in such a way that you live in such a healthy place. And your identity becomes shaped and formed by him. And the, what he wants to do with your life and the expectation for your life are formed by him. But you recognize that he is patient, kind, loving, and leading. And he does so in such a way that as he brings you and leads you in the paths of righteousness, it is in such a gentle, caring, and kind way that there is not a weight of expectation that crushes you. How am I restored? How am I restored from disappointment? It's simply living with his voice, his leading at the center of my life. So I would just remind you of this. Winning with expectations disappointment be intentional in seeing the source of the expectation that's placed upon you what expectations do you live with in your own life today are they placed on you by yourself by your society by your loved ones by your friends i would tell you those are not the right source of expectation there is one source God himself. Allow his expectation to be the expectation that you build as a framework for your life. Be intentional about understanding the source of the expectations you have. Be relentless in chasing away unhealthy expectations. But also, be consistent in knowing God's expectations in his how in the world are you and I going to be different from a world that lives with expectation frustration that has resulted in disappointment across the board, across our world? A discontentment. We're disappointed, discontented as a culture. How do people who follow God, how are they different from that? By allowing his word, his expectation, his leading to be at the center of who we are. Of understanding that all other expectation, it's unhealthy. Only his brings life, brings health. And allowing him to heal, to restore our soul in this manner of disappointment of expectation. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Doing what? Restoring the soul. How in the world am I going to live not fractured by disappointment, 
come from the expectations that we're surrounded with. Being consistent and understanding God's expectations, God's path, God's plan, and being His child and experiencing all the expectations that come with that. Chasing away the expectations the world wants to place on us. Or even, if you're like me, the expectations that you place on yourself. They have been a source of ungodliness in my life so often. Only God's expectation. That's the only place I need to live. How does he see me? What is my identity? What does it mean to be loved by him as his children? How does he bring me along? How does he accomplish his purpose in my life? How how does he do all this? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That needs to be the expectation of my life. Let's stand and sing as we go. And allow uh, allow the Lord to continue to restore your soul, especially and what he wants to do with your life.
Our Father, as we go out, as we begin to think about a new decade, as we mark time and, and uh, see or we think about going forward. Lord, it's hard to go forward when so often we're hampered and hindered, fractured. And often the fracture of disappointment that comes from so many expectations that come from our culture, our society, from others, from so many things are placed on us. Lord, in this psalm, you remind us that you are consistently restoring our soul, making us new, healing us. And often it's from the healing of disappointment. And so, Lord, help us to just live understanding that all we need to expect from our life is to be led by the shepherd in paths of righteousness. That's it. That's it. If we get that right, we will move forward. We will live healthy in our soul. So, Lord, restore us today. Heal us. Make this the best decade we've ever experienced because we live in such close relationship with you. Make it so, I pray in Jesus' name.